The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This is Goodnight Maryland Radio with your host, Nina Bosky. It's been more than 50 years since the tragic death of one of Hollywood's biggest stars at the time and in history, Marilyn Monroe. Nina seeks to uncover the life and death of this legendary star as it coincides with the pre-production of the feature film Goodnight Marilyn. You'll get a chance to question, explore, and discover the secrets surrounding what really happened that fateful night back in 1962. Let's start the conversation. Here is the host of Goodnight Marilyn Radio, Nina Bosky. Hi, everyone. I'm Nina Bosky for Goodnight Maryland Radio, and welcome to the show as we explore the investigation, the life, and the movie all surrounding Marilyn Monroe. Well, this week's shout-out goes to Ben in New York, Manhattan, New York, that is, and Terry in Coconut Creek, Florida, and also Otto in Cologne, Germany. I hope I'm saying that right. We also have an exciting show as we explore the romance between Joe and Marilyn when Mary Pop joins us and the co-author of Joe DiMaggio's uh, Nieces uh, with June DiMaggio on the book Marilyn, Joe, and Me. And I just have to say, once I started reading that book, I could not put it down. Also, later in the hour, I have a very special guest on uh, with us. We'll talk about Marilyn as it relates to quantum physics when I have Dr. Joe Dispenza with us later in the hour, and we'll talk about the two Joes as this week's theme, Good Morning Joe. But before we get started, I'd like to say a special thanks to Randall Libero, who's our executive vice president. Our, also this uh, week, our engineer is Matt, and also Drew Masters. Could not do this show without you. There he is. He's already sitting right over there. And we have a special colleague in with us. Uh, I'm sure she's going to want to ask a lot of questions, too. One of the producers on the movie and actually the television show, which will be coming out, called The Investigation Room, all around the investigation portion of what we've been talking Talking about on the radio show, Dana Kent. And uh, before we get started, I just want to take a, a minute to remind you that we are starting a community on our website, good, goodnightmarilyn.com. That's where you need to go and join and get immediate updates, not only on the movie, but what's happening with the investigation. Uh, the life, you know, there's so many books out there about the life, and we'll be talking about different people. And obviously, with Mary on today, we'll be talking about Joe and Marilyn's relationship and uh, get into some fascinating. Stories, But if you want to know what's happening, please join our community. Go to goodnightmaryland.com. We also have a petition on that page. And this is something where I'm really asking to solicit your support here uh, around the investigation. There's two parts to the investigation. There is the actual what happened to her, right? And then there is the potential cover-up. And so when we started this petition, there's enough evidence out there. Just 
for what we know today, that Marilyn did not actively take her life. So what I'd like you to do is invite you, and if you feel inspired, to please sign this petition because one of the things that we're doing is looking at uh, possibly working with the LAPD to reopen this case, first time in 52 years, historically, and we need your support. So please, please, please go to the website and sign and share it with your friends. Uh, this is something that you could do to affect uh, the actual case and the historical nature potentially with with Marilyn. We also have the global search of Marilyn uh, that is happening right now. All of you Marilyn uh, actresses out there who have been submitting some really, really good ones and just want to say thank you for doing that. This weekend, speaking of the search for Marilyn, I'll have a chance to go see Erin uh, Gavin. Uh, she's at the Matcha Theater here in uh, West Hollywood, and she's been playing Marilyn Monroe and Marilyn My Secret and has been having some really, really good reviews. So on that note... Well, let's get the conversation going. She has been called the first lady of radio in Sacramento, but entertainment has always been part of her life. Starting out singing at the age of 10, Mary Jane Pop sang across the country and the world on the Voice of, uh, Voice of America, not Voice America, Voice of America, and got her master's in PHH work at the Indiana University and transitioned to television with her own talk show. But radio drew her attention. I could certainly relate to that because because of the intimacy it projects and after interviewing celebrities and I know dignitaries and U.S. presidents on her pop-off radio show for many decades. She wrote her first book, Through the Eyes of June DiMaggio, the niece of Joe DiMaggio, with stories that have never been told. So now we will hear the real story of Joe DiMaggio and Marilyn Monroe and the other stars in Marilyn and Joe and Me. That's the name of the book. But by the way, Mary Jane still hosts her pop-off radio show Monday through Friday on the AM 950 KAHI, talking about Well, you name it. And Mary Jane talks about it with the best and the brightest from around the world. Now I get to switch gears and I get to interview her. So welcome to the show. I thank you so much, Nina. It's a pleasure to be on Goodnight, Marilyn. And you know what? It is an amazing story and one that I had no idea I was going to start. Uh, this start actually began in 1980 when I had my very first radio talk show. And I had, uh, remember Bob Slater? Uh, the yes. one who said they yes. was married to Marilyn Monroe for like, yeah, what, Robert, two and yeah. a half minutes? And yep. then, you know, he they got an annulment in Mexico and all that kind of thing. Well, he wrote a book. And so yes. he was on my show. After the show, I get this call from this uh, anonymous person and disembodied. Uh, excuse me, uh, that what he's saying and what all this, that they're talking about is a bunch of baloney. And I said, what do you mean a bunch of baloney? How can you say something like that? I am the niece of Joe DiMaggio. I know Marilyn, and I knew her for 11 years. And I'm telling you right now that what he's telling you is not true. So I, I invited her to be on my radio show. It happened to be June DiMaggio. And her mother and father actually owned DiMaggio's restaurant on Fisherman's Wharf in San Francisco. And I got to know her. I met her mom and dad. We went and had dinner there after the show. She shared so many stories over the years, Nina, that were just absolutely incredible. Uh, and toward the end of her life, and, you know, she passed away this last year, Romy, and she was almost 91 years old. 
And God bless her soul. I told her, you know, you need to tell these stories because after you're gone, God willing, you can live a whole long life, but after you're gone, they're all going to be gone. And you knew her. You knew her for 11 years until the day she died. Matter of fact, she even saw her on the day she died. I said, they're all going to be gone. You've got to put it down on writing. And so she said, well, would you help me write the book? Well, Nina, I'm going to think twice before that. It took seven years. Because wow. I was doing my show, like, you know, you're busy, yeah. you're producing, you're researching, you're doing your show every day. And I would spend a couple of hours a week with her and taping and getting all the stories and then putting it together and then getting a publisher. It was a journey sort of out of hell, but into heaven, because <laughs> yes. I learned stories about Marilyn Monroe that I had no idea. I admired Marilyn. I thought she was beautiful. Uh, on screen, I'd seen her in some of the movies, like Some Like It Hot, but I didn't appreciate the woman behind Marilyn Monroe. She was not this wiggly, you know, little tiny voice. Not at all. June told me that she had a normal voice. She was an intelligent person. She could quote Emerson, Nina, without a book. I mean, she had an insatiable curiosity, and she loved life. She was generous. She was warm. She was funny. She laughed at so many jokes that probably you and I would not even appreciate, (laughs) but she was that type of person, and that's the person I wanted to know. That's the person I wanted to be in Marilyn, Joe, and me, the one that we could get to know and appreciate and love for the woman she was. She was a sad person in so many ways. People took advantage of her. We know that. Uh, But she also wanted desperately to be a dramatic actress. That was her dream. And you know, it's interesting that you're saying this because this is a theme that's starting to happen. And when I was reading the book, um, there, you know, some of our Maryland experts have been researching her for years now, right? That, that she was simple, that she was, um, you know, a ferocious reader, that she was highly uh-huh. intelligent. She wanted to be a dramatic actress and be known for that. I mean, those are some of the things that are, are highlighted in the book in a way with personal up close stories, which is what I really loved about. It's almost like you got to up close and personal look at who Marilyn was. Absolutely. And when she wanted to be a dramatic actress, as a matter of fact, June helped her put together a little um, monologue, and she went into the you know 20th Century Fox people, the, the big high, highfalutin moguls, etc., and she performed it, and she was good. She was very, very good as an actress, as a dramatic actress. And after she did it, they said, oh, you're very good. There's no problem there. <laughs> but we've got our dramatic actresses. You know, you're our uh, sex goddess, and that's yeah. just the way it's going to be. They made money from her. Why would they want to change? And yeah. unfortunately, she died so young. I mean, she was in her 30s, for gosh sakes. I think if she would have lived, Nina, she would have become the Oprah of her time, because she was talking about the possibility of opening her own studio and doing her own productions, and I think she would have started to choose that. I think that's why she married Arthur Miller, because she thought, you know, he could give her the scripts that would give her the opportunity to be a dramatic actress. Uh, You've seen The Misfits. She was amazing in The Misfits. Uh, well, but, and, know, and also, the, you know, the fact that she really was not that character, and most people think that she is Marilyn Monroe on and off screen, right? That no. takes a, a special gift to be able to pay that, play that off when that's not innately who you are. Absolutely. And I mean, June told me stories about her, like, uh, I'm sure you saw the story uh, about when they were in the 
come up to San Francisco a lot uh, and visit with June's mother because that was sort of her confidant because her mother obviously was institutionalized very early on. Tell tell us about that. Louise was more or less her second mother. Tell us about that because I think that's a very special uh, relationship that June's mom had with Marilyn. Oh, absolutely. She would confide in Louise DiMaggio, who was the wife of Tom DiMaggio. Now, Tom DiMaggio was Joe DiMaggio's brother. And so when she would come up, they would try to go out, and and she wanted to be away from people once in a while. I can imagine. You know, when you see Marilyn Monroe, she's always surrounded by people and fans, et cetera. So she would put on an ugly old wig, et cetera, and they would go (laughs) down to um, the water and sit by the the park area there because June's mother, Louise, and, and Tom lived right. They could see Alcatraz. Uh, from their, yeah. their bay window, and so they went down there. And to show you what a what a dear heart this little this gal had, uh, there were some pigeons. They didn't have anything to feed the pigeons, so Marilyn, not even thinking about it, took some gum that she was chewing and threw it for the pigeons. Well, one of the pigeons picked it up, and it got all mucked up in his in his beak, and she was. Um, she just got so terrified. Oh my God! What have I done? That you know, that poor bird is going to die. Now here's two young women because they were both very close in age, only a couple of years apart, and June DiMaggio and Marilyn Monroe chasing after this pigeon <laughs> because they were afraid it was going to die. That's the kind yeah. of heart she had. It eventually, you know, came out of its mouth and threw it away, and everything was fine. But that's the type of person. Or the one time when she was in uh, in San Francisco and her. Roots were starting to show because she was not a natural blonde. We know that. As Norma Jean, she was a brunette. So anyway, June's mother took her to the salon where she had her hair done, and they did a, a, a you know, dye job and you know, trim trim the hair, etc., and had her all just beautiful. Well, they went home and they found out that the salon had taken the locks of her hair that they had trimmed and they put them in the window for sale. Marilyn Monroe's hair. Wow, Uh, that's just so horrifying, you know? And and June's father was absolutely, unbelievably angry. He went down there and he said, don't you ever do that again. He said, this woman is here incognito trying to to get away so she can relax a little bit. And he said he took down every one of those locks and he threw them away. He said, don't you ever do that again. And they never went back to that salon. Well, and, and and it speaks to, you know, just think about the craze of celebrity today, too, and back then that they were doing that. We have to take a quick break, but when I get when we get back from the break, because there's so much to cover, I want to talk about Joe and Marilyn's relationship, and I also want to talk a little bit about the day she died, too. So oh, there's a lo- lot that, to cover here in our 10 minutes uh, left with each other. I thought to myself, oh my we should be on for two, two hours. Love affair. Love affair. Oh. I know, I know. So uh, we will be back in just a moment. My name is Nina Bosky. With me is Mary Jane Pop, and you are listening to Goodnight Marilyn as we are talking about Good Morning Joe and Joe DiMaggio. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Mad Genius Radio presents Marilyn. For those of us who can't get enough of Marilyn Monroe, especially her iconic musical performances, Mad Genius Radio has expertly curated a genre of hundreds of tracks performed by Marilyn and friends. It is the quintessential collection of music for a journey of glamour, grace, and allure. 
Listen for free only on Mad Genius Radio. Available in the App Store, Google Play, and desktop at madgeniusradio.com. Museums are great places to work and wonderful places to visit. But are they essential? How can we improve our museum practice so that museums remain vital and essential players in society? Listen for Museum Life with host Carol Bossert, where each week we'll discuss timely and topical issues of concern to the museum community. Museum Life can be heard live every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Goodnight Marilyn Radio. Help us explore the mystery that is and was Marilyn Monroe. Call into our program at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to MarilynLiveTalk at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Hi, I'm Greg Schreiner for Marilyn Remembered. Did you know that in Marilyn's home in Brentwood, she went to Mexico and found some beautiful tiles to put in her kitchen on the walls? She loved them so much that she actually had her refrigerator sides painted blue to match the blue in the tile. How do I know? Because I own her refrigerator now. For Goodnight Marilyn Radio and Marilyn Remembered, I'm Greg Schreiner. Hi, welcome back to Goodnight Marilyn. My guest is Mary Jane Pop. Her book is Marilyn, Joe, and Me, a fascinating story. So one of the things I want to get to is Joe DiMaggio and Marilyn Monroe's relationship. How did they meet? They met in the mid-50s, actually earlier 50s. And what happened um, and how I found out about what Marilyn was really like, um, she... June DiMaggio was living in Hollywood at the time, and she did. She was a B actress. She wasn't an A actress, but a B actress, and she was also a singer actress. Had a beautiful voice. Still did at age eighty nine. You know, ninety years old. Anyway, um, Joe loved to go hunting with Tom, his brother, and they would bring back ducks. And he, most people don't know how to cook wild ducks. It, it has a strange taste to it. So he called June, and he said, we're bringing home these ducks. I have a new girlfriend. Didn't tell her who, but I have a new girlfriend, and I would like to have you cook the ducks for me. And June said, sure, you know, Uncle Joe, no problem. Just bring them on over. She cooked the ducks, had rice, and had everything ready for the dinner. Here comes a knock on the door. The door opens, and who's standing there? Joe and Marilyn Monroe. Well, June didn't think anything about it. Come on in, no problem. It seemed like they clicked right away, that they were almost like friends or almost sisters immediately uh, and got to know each other. Well, they sat down, and Marilyn pulled June over to the side and said, June, I don't know if I'm going to like wild duck. I've never had it before. June said, don't worry. I kind of have it covered for you because a lot of people don't like wild duck. I made an extra little hamburger off to the side. If you don't like it, just 
turn to me and cross your eyes, and, and I'll know that I've got to take your dish out, and I'll get rid of the duck and put the hamburger and cover it with rice. <laughs> and so Marilyn took a bite of the duck, and Joe was so proud of it. I mean, it was the he-man. He had gotten the duck, etc. And he cut it up, put it on her plate, and she took one bite. She turned to June. She not only crossed her eyes, she kicked her under the table. So June <laughs> took the dish and went to the kitchen, puts the, you know, took the duck out, put a little bit of uh, the, the rice over the hamburger, brought it back, and Marilyn kind of kept it covered and finished it up. And she said, oh, that was wonderful. And Joe said, oh, really? Would you like to do it again at any time? And, and Marilyn turned to Joe and she said, not any time soon, Joe, please. <laughs> you know? But that was the kind of person she was. That was the first meeting that June had uh, with Marilyn Monroe. But they were star-crossed lovers. I mean, let's just be honest about it. Marilyn was just reaching the epitome of her stardom. And Joe was ready to retire. He needed yeah. a good little Italian girl who would stay home and cook for him. That yeah. was what it was all about. And what broke them up was that Joe had a tendency that when he got angry about something or mad about something, and it was a DiMaggio boy thing. They would give the women the silent treatment. And Marilyn couldn't handle that. She needed somebody to open up to her and to share with her so she could share back. And so Louise, uh, Tom DiMaggio's wife, said, leave him. You don't put up with that kind of thing. She said, my husband Tom did that to me one time. I packed his bags and put it outside the door. And yeah, so and I was going to say, up. you know, with, with what you're talking about in terms of Marilyn, I don't think any woman likes to be ignored. But when no. you think about how Marilyn was raised and her abandonment issues with men, that Absolutely. silent treatment was probably so rejecting for her. But they never fell out of love. I mean, when when Arthur Miller put Marilyn into the Payne Whitney Institute in New York when he thought she was having a nervous breakdown, yeah. who do you think Marilyn called? She called yeah. Joe. He was in Florida at that time. I said, he probably flew up without a plane. Unbelievable. <laughs> he went there and he walked in and he said, you have my, didn't say ex-wife, he said, you have my wife in here. I want her out now. And wow. he still had a lot of clout. You know, the Yankee Clipper, he could still, you know, get what he wanted when he wanted. And he put her in a regular hospital. She just needed rest. Uh, well, it also sounds like, you know, for, for it sounds like also Mary Jane that she was um, what she liked in Joe or loved about him was the fact that it almost felt like he was her protector. Yes. And here you want to hear the saddest thing of the whole situation that had to do with their love affair. The day that she was buried, Nina, she and Joe were supposed to be remarried. So let's talk about that because that you hear that from time and time again, you know. So yeah. there's theories that say yes, she was, you know. And here in your book, obviously, you know, J- June is saying yes, they were going to get married. How did that come about? Okay, what happened? Uh, well, I can let's talk about that last day because I think that's important. Uh, the last day, June got a call from Marilyn in the morning, and she said, "Junie, can you make me a pizza?" She loved June's food. Uh, she loved her lasagna. She loved all the different foods, and believe me. Marilyn knew how to eat. She was <laughs> she was no little skinny mini either. She used to lose weight a lot for the the movies, but then she'd put it back on again. But anyway, she called June. June says, "You know what? I've got a date with my boyfriend. I'm going to play tennis." Oh, June, please, you know, make me a you know a pizza. So June says, "Yeah, fine. I'll drop it off. No problem." So she met her, uh, you know, at the gate with the pizza, um, and. June said, here's your pizza. i got to go on my date. And Marilyn said, oh, thank you so much. Did you know that Joe and I are getting married? And June said, yeah, I know. The family told me already. It's not a problem. 
um, and and Marilyn said, "I'm going to Mexico with Louise again, her, you know June's uh, mother, and mm-hmm. we're going to buy wrought iron furniture for the new home." And I mean, she was so excited. That's why how anybody can say that she committed suicide is incredibly nuts. I mean, I interviewed Thomas Noguchi when his book came out, Coroner to the Stars. Yes, and I asked him point blank. That was 1984, and I asked him point blank. Did she commit suicide? You know what his answer was? What? Probable suicide. I said, you're dodging the, 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 yeah. the question here. Yeah, it's the elephant in the room, probable. It kind of gets them off the hook a little bit, but it's Absolutely. not. Absolutely. It's, it's, yeah. So so let's talk a little bit about, so they were they're going to get married, right, that day, right? Right. You know, I was not expecting this in the book, right, that that last, that last day, um, it's, it's real, well known that she spoke to uh, Joe DiMaggio Jr., right, mm-hmm. that she was on the phone with him. But in the book, she goes, June goes as far to say that her mother also talked to her as well. Yeah. She was, uh, according to June, and I, I totally believe her because she loved Marilyn. I mean, she loved her like a sister, and she would never tell anything. She she thought she could do no wrong. And I is, used to tell can June. I I just, said, can I ask you a question just real yeah. quick about that? Because that's an interesting. Because I was always wondering, why did she wait so long to tell this story? Fear. Fear. <laughs> and, and the fear was her, June's mother, Louise, was on the phone when Marilyn was murdered. And... Her mother was typical Italian background feeling. She said that Marilyn obviously dropped the phone, but she heard something. And June said, Mother, Imam, you know, please tell me who murdered Marilyn. You heard it. And she did the old Italian thing of, you know, lock the lips and the zip it across. And she said, I will never tell. And June said, Why? I, I want to know who murdered Marilyn. And, and her mother said, I will never tell because I fear for my family. And she kept it on her deathbed, June so asked I, her again, and she wouldn't tell. So did she ever write it down or anything? No. No. no so I've got a question for you because it's, it, you know, in, in looking at this, right, and obviously we're dispelling fact from fiction, probable theory to uh, right. outlandish rumor, right? This right. is as close as you can get. You're talking the DiMaggio family. Right. My, my feeling is about what I know about Joe how would he allow that to not be confronted? He doesn't seem like a guy that would be fearful of anybody. I know that, you know, she's the one that knew, but he could not even get it out of her as well? No, he could not. He tried, and she said, I don't care who comes. I will never tell because I want my family to live. And she took it to her grave. And, I mean, he tried. Oh, Joe tried the same way. And Joe, he was fearless. He was it because he loved Marilyn. And if you noticed, if you saw the pictures from the funeral, he cordoned off the media. He cordoned off fans. He never, not those people that were in that, uh, you know, for the funeral, they weren't stars. He said they wow. took advantage of her in life. I will not let them take advantage of her in death. So let's get into, yeah, let's get into specifics here because, you know, that, uh, that night, right? And, uh-huh. um, do, does June have any speculation? I mean, I could somewhat imagine if you're fearful of your life, who it could be, right? Uh, next uh-huh. week we're going to be talking about the mob, right? Is, is there, is there somewhere in there that she has kind of pieced together who she thinks it was? Well, I'll tell you, and you asked me why June didn't want to tell the story for all these years. Her mother put the fear of her. That, yeah. that she was going to be attacked. I said, June, the reason I got her to even talk about it, she's never told that story ever, ever. And she yeah. said, the only reason I'm telling it now is, and I, because I told her, I said, they're all dead. 
I said, they're all gone. <laughs> they can't hurt you anymore. And then I had the story about Kim Fahey. Remember at the, the, at the end of the uh, book? And Kim Fahey uh, claimed that he met the person, one of the two people, who actually killed her. And that they wow. killed her with a Nembutal suppository which was very fast-acting. And everybody says, well, well, they would have detected that. Not really. This is 1962. They didn't have CSI back then. Yeah, and yeah. I also talked to the assistant to the coroner, and they said that she didn't have enough drugs in her stomach to kill her. Yeah, so, yeah, and, and and that's very, I mean, this is one of the things that we're trying to, it's interesting that your book is is trying to dispel fact from fiction, your investigation and, and, and your stories, and now we're trying to bring it to life 52 years later with yep. this historical nature that it's time for the truth to come out. Unfortunately, though, a lot of those samples, you know, the tissue samples and everything, they disappeared. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. The other thing, too, is this Kim Fahey, who wrote a book called Hollywood Unlisted, uh, he claimed that Sam Giancana sent the two guys to get the, the uh, journal, her diary. And wow. that's why they killed her. And they did get the diary. Now, there are claims that that diary went to Peter Lawford. Who knows? But according to this man, he said, I met him, and he said, the reason he got where it was where he was, which was Atascadero, and you think he's a nutcase, he actually got there purposely because he said the other guy that was part of the, the two people, the, you know, the, the two that went in and killed her, was out, off, you know, they killed him. And he said, I wanted to live, so I, I live better at least in Atascadero than living outside because the, the mob will get to me. If I go to jail, the mob will get to me. So the t- that's where the tie-in is. And June begged me not to put that in the book because she still had that fear. Can you believe well, it? After all these yeah, years? well, I can't because even when we went to go do this show, one of the things, you know, some people would say to me, are you sure you want to do that? Are you sure you want to do that? And I said, yeah. you know, my, my feeling is the truth will set you free, and this is historical now. It's not in present time. Right. And like you said, a lot of these people are now past. And also the same power is in, 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 in back in 1962, the mob and the Kennedys and, and what was going on. There was a lot more power given to those entities that there are today. Right. No, absolutely. Well, and if you look at it and think about it, if Giancana sent the, the guys to kill her, Giancana had ties to the Kennedys. You know, you got to connect the dots. That's what you have to do. Well, I, 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 this is such a fascinating story. And like I said, next week we're going to get into the mob and stuff. But is there any last comments you'd like to say, Mary Jane, about Joe and Marilyn and their relationship and also June of how, you know, she felt about her in the last, you know, 30 seconds or so? Absolutely. Uh, the book itself, I want to let everybody know, because it is your show and a special show, if they email me, pop off, that's P-O-P-P-O-F-F, pop off at live, L-I-V-E dot com, I will make arrangements so they can get the book. I'll even autograph it and give them a discount. How's that? Because of your show. Oh, and, my uh, gosh. Love yeah, it. It, the, the, the book normally runs like twenty nine ninety five. I'll do it for twenty four ninety five, and that includes shipping and handling, because I want people to have this book simply because my bottom line on this book and what, what I felt about Marilyn and Joe, it's about truth and it's about time. Ooh, very powerful. And on that note, we're going to leave it at that. And where can they find you? Again, they can go to popoff.com, which is my website, uh, or they can podcast my show at com. And again, if they have any other questions or they want to get the book, just email me, popoff at live.com. I'll be glad to respond to them and we'll work it out.
All right, Mary Jane, thank you so much for being on the show today. My pleasure. You've got to come and visit me on my show. Oh, definitely. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. We'll get that scheduled. Okay, All right. Robin, take Thanks care. again. You're listening to Goodnight Maryland Radio. The book is Marilyn, Joe, and Me. Up next, one of my favorites, Dr. Joe Dispenza. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Mad Genius Radio presents Marilyn. For those of us who can't get enough of Marilyn Monroe, especially her iconic musical performances, Mad Genius Radio has expertly curated a genre of hundreds of tracks performed by Marilyn and friends. It is the quintessential collection of music for a journey of glamour, grace, and allure. Listen for free only on Mad Genius Radio. Available in the App Store, Google Play, and desktop at madgeniusradio.com. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Goodnight Maryland Radio. Help us explore the mystery that is and was Marilyn Monroe. Call into our program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to MarilynLiveTalk at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Hi, everyone. I'm Nina Bosky, and all hour we've been talking the subject. Good morning, Joe, has uh, been our, our subject as we we're talking about the relationship between Do- Joe DiMaggio and Marilyn. And now we're going to switch gears a little bit and talk to another Joe, Dr. Joe Dispenza. And uh, before I get started, though, I'd like to do my Life Bites of the Week, and I'm actually going to use one of Dr. Joe's quotes. I think this is great. So when our behaviors match our intentions, when our actions equal to our thoughts, when our minds and our bodies are working together, when our words and our deeds are aligned, there is an immense power behind any individual. And I'd also like to add not just individual, but a group intention. As you know, as I said at the beginning of the hour, that the intention of looking at this case the historical nature of this case is the truth will set you free. And how wonderful if we can all hold that space because a lot of people are like, oh, power to you. And then other people are like, oh, it'll never happen. And, you know, with all the synchronicities that are happening as we started this radio show and the momentum now with potentially the LAPD wanting to work with us to really reopen and get to the truth, 
What a wonderful energy, and this is also why I wanted to have my next guest, who is one of my favorite people, Dr. Joe Dispenza. He first caught the public's eye as one of the scientists featured in the award-winning film, What the Bleep Do We Know? Dr. Joe is a best-selling author of Evolve Your Brain, The Science of Changing Your Mind, followed by one of my favorite books, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, How to Lose Your Mind and Create a New One, which hit the Amazon bestseller list in four days, and his latest book, You Are the Placebo, Making Your Mind Matter, which hit Amazon, uh, the bestseller list in two days, and the New York Times bestseller list within one week. He is also uh, conducting workshops all over the world. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Joe Dispenza. Hi, Joe. Hi, Nina. Happy to be with you. Oh, uh, you're the you're the second part of our Good Morning Joes. First, we're talking about uh, you know Joe DiMaggio and Marilyn Monroe, and uh, just for those of you who uh, kind of are saying, "Why, wow, why are we doing a segment like this? This is kind of an interesting segment and in exploring kind of the quantum physics as it relates to Marilyn." But uh, I had the pleasure of going to one of Dr. Joe's progressive workshops here in Los Angeles in January, and then later in the evening, a group of us went to dinner, and I, I think you remember that conversation that you and I had, we started talking about, you know, Joe and Marilyn and, and, you know, the whole kind of concept. And so the notion of how energy affects everything we do and how this case may be reopened in this kind of space and time, it really started me thinking about where's Marilyn in the infinite, uh, you know, field of possibility. So I'm excited to have you here and explore Marilyn from this angle. Oh, that's very sweet. I, I remember the conversation specifically, and I think that secrets, uh, if you look at any charismatic leaders in history, when there's secrets involved in any story, secrets hold a tremendous amount of power. And when we start to investigate those secrets and we start to really uh, come at different angles to explore what, what's really hidden behind them, we have to match it with a, a level of energy or curiosity or introspection or, or, or natural um, speculation that really begins to affect uh, the nature of reality. And I think you're doing a great job in doing that. Well, thank you. And it's kind of interesting. So, you know, just for the purposes of this discussion, do you, what do you know and not know about the case as it relates to, you know, Marilyn and Joe and also, you know, what happened to her that night? Well, the, the interesting thing is, is uh, I, I grew up uh, with my father being a huge Joe DiMaggio fan. As a matter of fact, <laughs> my father played kind of a semi-pro, uh, on a, a semi-pro pro baseball team in Brooklyn, and uh, the New York Yankees were uh, funding this team, and so my father had the opportunity to wear Joe DiMaggio's actual uniform. So I got a chance to grow up with Joe DiMaggio, and I got a chance to really interact uh, with the stories related to him. And, of course, at the dinner table, it led to uh, stories about Marilyn Monroe, and it led to stories about um, uh, just the whole, uh, the whole uh, event and how it took place. And, and you know, I, Joe was always represented uh, to me as a child as a very, very uh, noble uh, gentleman. And uh, I, I know that he, he truly loved Marilyn Monroe deeply. And, well, uh, it's interesting you say that because one of the quotes that he has, that his, one of his mottos is, a man without integrity is a man without worth. Right. And so he, my, I just had, I mean, he, he was just part of my childhood in a, in a, great, in a great way. And, and, um, and I think, now, were uh, you named you know, after him? 
No, I don't. I don't know if that was directly the, the case, but I definitely grew up very strongly influenced by baseball and the New York, New York Yankees, and playing <laughs> uh, uh, quite a bit of baseball. And, and you know, having Joe DiMaggio as one of my heroes, so uh, a strong influence to me. I don't know if I was directly named because of him, but I'm, I'm sure if my father had a chance to. To, to let out a little bit of truth, there may have been some correlation. So, and then you know, as I got older, I I was fascinated by Marilyn Monroe, not because of her, her sex appeal. As a matter of fact, it's just the opposite. There was just something mysterious about her, and mysterious about the Kennedys, and that whole era in the '60s was always very, very mysterious to me. And um, and you know, when I looked into her life and her childhood, and some of the abuse that she experienced, and some of the uh, Psychosis that are that was running in her family uh, uh, lineage, and then just uh, her her difficulty in being able to cope with some of the challenges that were presented to her. Uh, I do think that uh, uh, she had a, and of her physical health too, with endometriosis and some of the other things she had going on. She was challenged to a great degree to uh, always be on call and and uh, and be a. a, a well, a certain persona for the world, and, and I think that's a hard thing to keep up. So 52 years later, uh, someone like you who's looking into it, investigating it, and whether it's a homicide or suicide, there's a lot of secrecy involved. And, and I, to me, that's, the, that's the, uh, the appeal more than anything else. Well, and I think that's where you bring up a really good point as it relates to this, the secrecy. There's what I feel is like a lie in the space, right? And I keep wanting to to bring it to light. And a lot of what you do in your work um, relates to that. How do you think that, first of all, actually, I think we might have to take a, a, a quick break. Uh, but what I'd like to do after the break is actually bring you back and talk about what you do and then how we can hold that consciousness uh, for the and where is Marilyn in those infinite, uh, infinite possibilities in those world of uh, possibilities? Because I think there's very interesting in what you do, and I want people to understand uh, the science of it. Uh, and also, just you made a very good point about Marilyn and her, you know, her health issues. I think back then they were drugging people and giving them barbiturates. I think Marilyn would be very much at a Dr. Joe uh, Dispenza workshop if she was alive today. So, on that note, uh, we'll continue the conversation. You're listening to. Good night, Maryland Radio. My guest is Dr. Joe Dispenza. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Mad Genius Radio presents Maryland. For those of us who can't get enough of Marilyn Monroe, especially her iconic musical performances, Mad Genius Radio has expertly curated a genre of hundreds of tracks performed by Marilyn and friends. It is the quintessential collection of music for a journey of glamour, grace, and allure. Listen for free only on Mad Genius Radio. Available in the App Store, Google Play, and desktop at madgeniusradio.com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Goodnight Marilyn Radio. Help us explore the mystery that is and was Marilyn Monroe. Call into our program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. 
You may also send an email to MarilynLiveTalk at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Goodnight Maryland Radio. I'm Nina Bosky, and with me is Dr. Joe Dispenza. Before the break, we were talking a little bit about Maryland and getting into the infinite, infinite uh, uh, field of possibilities and talking a little bit more about holding that energy. And Dr. Joe is all about the energy, and so was Maryland. You know, she was a pioneer for her time. She actually was interested in many things, and she explored her spirituality and metaphysical uh, marriage. Jane Pop, who was in the segment before, we didn't really get into it because there wasn't enough time. But in her book, she talks about how uh, Marilyn actually went to, uh, you know, seek uh, spiritual counseling from Barbara Klein. Kenny Kingston, who's still uh, alive today, actually was one of her spiritual metaphysical uh, counselors. Thelma uh, Moss, who over at UCLA uh, was involved with Barbara Klein. So she was very much uh, looking and exploring these different avenues. And this is the story I tell myself, but I can only imagine that if Marilyn were alive today, she would actually be going uh, through the Dr. Joe uh, workshop. So, uh, so Dr. Joe, tell us a little bit about what you do specifically for our audience that may not be aware. Sure. I, I, my interest is in demystifying the mystical, and I, and I like to use... Uh, the new science to be able to do that. And I think science is the contemporary language of mysticism. I think science demystifies the mystical. And once you start talking about religion or culture or, or tradition, you divide an audience. But science tends to unify. And so my interest in bringing in the quantum model of reality combined with uh, neuroscience and this concept called neuroplasticity and psychoneuroimmunology and epigenetics, all of those sciences point the finger at possibility that there's a latent aspect within us that when we tap into it, we begin to affect our outward reality. And if you're going to begin to see how mind can affect the body or mind can affect the nature of reality, we have to begin to really understand how the mind works, how the brain works, uh, how the body functions. And when people really understand that, I think knowledge is power, but knowledge about yourself is self-empowerment. And so I like the idea of giving people the, the understandings and then giving them the tools and the, and the, and the um, practices for them to begin to see that they're at cause in their life. And I love that aspect because this is a time in history where it's not enough to know. This is a time in history to know how. And, and, and I can tell you just from my experience of just watching common people do the uncommon, this is a notable point in history where people, the common person really, you don't have to be a priest or a rabbi or you don't have to be a nun or a Buddhist monk, that um, once you understand how it all works, I think you can live a more fulfilled life. And I think that's what we're all after. Oh, yeah. And I just, I definitely think so. So, you know, uh, thank you for that. And, and I think that, you know, there's much more in the forefront about the mind-body connection uh, in, in regards to science and really integrating that. And I love that about your work. As it relates to what we're talking about today with Marilyn, could you kind of uh, give us a sense of why you think that she has such a hold on our consciousness even now? Um, you know, what, what do you think still captivates us based on what you know about her, but also what you know about energy? Well, she had an amazing charisma, and it wasn't just her physical beauty. There was always a quality of her that was always sparkling and energetic, and, and that appeal, I think, that charisma 
that energetic quality was what, what really separated her from just really the average, you know, uh, uh, icon or figure. But to me, I think that she was very deep because, you know, when you grow up with a parent that has bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, or, or uh, personality disorders, when you grow up with people in your present life and you experience a certain amount of abuse or whatever, you're really going to search for answers that transcend religion, that transcend common answers, because those, those things, uh, those particular paradigms have limitations. And she, I think she really searched for a deeper truth in understanding herself and understanding what, what, what occurred in her life. And so uh, the fact that you're even just um, a, a victim of, of, of sexual abuse as a child, you're going to begin to compartmentalize in your brain, and you're going to be able to shut off literally different circuits in your brain to be able to cope and function in situations in your life that mimic or at least bring up similar emotions that are related to the past. And so she had strong coping mechanisms, and she had uh, quite an ability to be able to switch on and off. And I think that's what created her really really profound highs of creativity and sparkle and beauty and probably some dark, uh, dark difficulties and, and, and challenging times in our life. Now, do you also think that with that said is what we also still relate to her on? Because there seems to be a vulnerability or an honesty there that still captivates people. Everybody has a different reason for being attracted to her, but she's one of the few stars, if uh, the only star, 52 years later, that is probably more popular today than she was 52 years ago. Uh, her legacy says a lot about energy because energy in the universe never dies. It's like a foot. It's like a footprint or a fingerprint, and her fingerprint in antiquity or fingerprint in history leaves a strong energetic signature. That when you associate that image of that person, there's an energetic thing that begins to take place, or at least a strong emotional association that brings up a certain amount of uh, interest to really understand something on a deeper level, and maybe. Uh, that was her message all along, and maybe we're just beginning to open up to that. Well, I, f- I find that you're bringing up a really fascinating, uh, you know, uh, kind of notion for us because Marilyn was also a very much into at that time civil rights, into animals, into uh, the justice, so to speak. And wouldn't that be interesting if, you know, as you said, the word deep is that is that sense of a healing not only for herself. But for humanity, and when I look at your work as well, that's what you're doing too. It's like we're all here to hopefully transform the world and transform ourselves. Yeah, and there's a lot of Marilyns out there, and there's a lot of Joes out there. <laughs> and there's a yes. lot of people that can identify with her deep suffering and pain and, and um, you know, the way that she may have been used or misused in some ways. And, 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 you know, when you look at someone's life like that who has been through so many trials and, and difficulties, you realize your life isn't that bad. And, and, uh, yeah. But it's not enough to just use drugs or medications to really eat, to numb the pain because I think that the moment you start combining more than one or two or three drugs, you're going to change brain chemistry and you're going to start making uh, uh, less um, elevated choices for your own self. And so... I think she got a little bit lost there, and I think people are now wanting answers both for themselves and also uh, and making want to, want to understand so they can understand how to make better choices also in their lives. 
Well, I think that's very fascinating because a couple of weeks back when we were talking about actually what Marilyn was using, we had a psychiatrist on, Dr. Reef, and he was literally saying that the drugs that she was prescribed at that time had nothing to do with bipolar disorder whatsoever. And if she did actually have mental disorders, they actually were in combination doing worse for her than if she were, you know, uh, not taking any of those medications. So I, I just find it very fascinating what you're talking about. Yeah, and if your brain isn't working right, you're not working right. And yes. if you're and if you're exposing yourself to the same chemical change over a period of time, um, you're going to be more vulnerable to to whatever circumstance in your life. So, where do you think Marilyn is in the world of quantum physics and the <laughs> infinite field of possibilities? Because I think that's that's an interesting, you know, uh, you know, thing to look at, especially as we're looking at what the truth and what might have happened that night back in August of 1962. Well, <clears throat> I'm a, I have a very different view about death than most people. I, I don't really see it as an end in any way. I see it as just a transformation of energy and I know that just from my research and just studying enough uh, about people who have had near-death experiences the moment your death your your body uh, no longer is functioning there's a very strong detachment that takes place I don't really feel like any of us unless we're really strongly addicted to some emotion or to something in our life really want to hang around here too much. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this is a small slice of eternity, and, you know, it's, a, it's, another, it's another bullet point in your resume. So Marilyn could be anywhere living another life uh, in another dimension, learning lessons from what she had, and hopefully wanting to do it better the next time. So a personality that has that strong of a public figure to me is no different than the than the weaver in the Northern Ireland who's uh, uh, weaved uh, wonderful garments till she was 86, and then had a chance to really contribute to the world in her own way, and and uh, it's all lessons. So I think on a soul level, I think she had a, a spotlight, you know, like a shooting star. But uh, given her spiritual understanding, I think that she wouldn't hang around and really try to spend a lot of time trying to uh, relive her past. I think she was wise enough to just um, move forward in, 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 uh, in, in, in eternity and, and evolve. So, so with that said, you know, and here we circle back around a little bit in regards to this case and the truth will set you free uh, and what we're doing. How do you think you can not only, uh, you know, help this, uh, this uh, you know, truth will set you free in this time and space right now, but for the audience that may be wanting to support that too, what would you suggest to them? Ah, this is a great question, and this is what movers and shakers are all about. There's a strong division going on in the world right now. In an age of information, ignorance is a choice. And when you start really investigating uh, the underpinnings of so many things that have happened in the last 70 years or 75 years, and you start to see the unseen hand involved in so many secret um, cover-ups, and all for, for power and control, I think that people are starting to become fed up by it. And because information is so readily available, I think people do want to know the truth. And I think that people like you and others who are interested in having the endurance of a vision of the future and then coupling that intense vision or intense uh, 
outcome with an elevated emotion, really becoming that elevated energy is what sustains your ability to meet the adversity that at sometimes seemingly appears like closed doors, like uh, the inability to move forward, but you have to match that obstacle or that adversity from a greater level of mind, from a greater state of being. And I think that when we insist on the truth, the truth always wins because that's the only thing that lasts in the universe. So when people really begin to say, uh, enough, uh, I'm not satisfied with that, and and they demand uh, not only that the information be exposed, but they also work on the very things uh, that they stand for. In other words, the synchronicities that are happening as a result of your deep inquisition and interest in all of this combined with the energy which you're putting into it and the, and the invitation for people to participate is creating community. And the community is not built on hatred, it's not built on aggression, it's not built on judgment. It's just a pure interest in understanding what's, what really is a part of history. Now, the second part of that is that that means then in order for you to really begin to make an impression on or produce some outcome, you have to look at any aspects of yourself where you're hiding any secrets or you're holding back on information. And as you begin to make those choices for yourself because you stand for it, uh, those synchronicities get a little bit broader and the universe starts to conspire and work with you in very mysterious ways. And, and I think if information becomes available for enough people uh, and it becomes a hundredth monkey phenomenon, I think there's no other choice than to, uh, to, to, to expose what needs to be exposed. And I think you're doing a great job in, in, in making that happen. Well, thank you, Dr. Joe, because uh, I think that that power of people holding that intention and understanding the energy behind it is very, very powerful. So how can they reach you? Uh, let's see. My website is simply drjoedispenza.com, D-R-J-O-E-D-I-S-P-E-N-Z-A.com. And uh, again, uh, it's kind of funny that I'm on a, a radio show about Marilyn Monroe and Joe DiMaggio, but uh, uh, if Marilyn was a mystic as, as it seems, uh, uh, that's where my passion and my interest lies. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today and giving us a very unique perspective into exploring Marilyn. Thanks again. Thank you, Nina. Keep up the great work. All right. Love to see you soon. Take good care. Well, this wraps up another show for this week. I'd like to thank my guest, Mary Jane Pop, the co-author with uh, Joe DiMaggio's niece, June DiMaggio, on the book, Marilyn, Joe, and Me, giving us some insights into Marilyn and Joe. And I also would like to say thank you to Dr. Joe Dispenza. Go to drjoedispenza.com. Next week, we'll get into the mob mystery. Did the mob have anything to do with Marilyn's death? Let's explore. Until next time, I'm Nina Bosky for Goodnight Marilyn Radio. And remember, never Stop dreaming. Thank you for joining us for today's show. Good Night Maryland Radio with Nina Bosky can be heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Be sure to tune in again next week.